The following movie is rated R. This is the Video Nasties A through Z with Death by DVD. Night of the Bloody Apes and Night of the Demon. Whoa! So this is Radio Land, huh? The Infinite Turtle, the, the waves through the ether fuzz roll on forever. Roar! This is the Video Nasties A through Z with Death by DVD. Get out the bananas because this episode is monkey madness. Amazing apes, beautiful big feet, and more. I am Harry Scott Sullivan, and with me, banned in the UK until 2015 and now available with only one inch of cuts, it's I, Alexander Nash. That's not exactly true because Bigfoot, I don't know, it, could we consider like Simeon? Or is is Bigfoot more of a humanoid creature? Is is it an ape? Because that he's dead. It's not a monkey. Actually, you're talking about Night of the Bloody Apes tonight too, and that's a gorilla, not a monkey. They're all primates. I said amazing apes. That has to fit in, and you do leave out the fact that Bigfoot could possibly be a mythical being that walks between two worlds, and that's why we can't find him because he is some sort of protector of another realm. Could oh be. My. God, are we talking about vortexes? We're talking about vortexes. Are we talking about demon warp? <laughs> We're not even going to do the video nasties. This is actually the cryptid cinema from now on. We are going to start hunting Bigfoot actively, and you will hear our weekly updates while I, Alexander Nash, and I trek through the Appalachian Mountains searching for a furry friend. I'm going to look for Champ in Lake Champlain. Champlain, excuse me. Let me get the pronunciation correct. Lake Champlain. Thought you were talking about Champelle, which is a wonderful carbonated champagne malt liquor that should be sold absolutely everywhere. This is the best video nasties entry. This is way better than the one last week where I made an inappropriate joke about the Jews getting spanked. <laughs> Wait a minute, what? Oh yes, you did. Oh hold on, I remember now. Yes, that was inappropriate. Yes, to the tune of Steeler Wheel stuck in the middle with you, nonetheless. I have dragged everyone down with me and insulted all the fine members of Steeler and Wheel. Um, I don't know if it's one guy. I, I don't know. I'll dig myself out of this hole. This is the Video Nasties A through Z with Death Dig up, stupid. Dig up? Oh, I fucking just will dig my way down to fresh, sweet hell, and I'll finally escape this, this turmoil in this awful fucking world. But um, I've been excited for this episode. You haven't at all. <laughs> no, 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 no. I have not. But we are doing Night of the Bloody Apes, which is strange because there's only one ape, but they still pluralized it in the title, and Night of the Demon, not to be confused with Night of the Demon 1957 or Night of the Demons from, what is that, 88, 89? Linnea Quigley. I'm Linnea, and I like Death by DVD. It's a statement. Uh, I think it's 88. Late. Or 86. 1987, 88. Late 80s. We have, we have a coverall with, with just saying that. Neither of these movies, I'll start it off swiftly, because I, I am probably going to talk up one more than the other, but I will say very firstly, now I'm speaking like Donald Trump, the firstly thing I'm going to say here, very, very bigly movies, but... It's a perfect eight film. 
It's perfect. I, they're, neither of them are particularly what you would in the biz call good. Uh. <laughs> no, no. Um, it is a, Re, a Rene Cardona movie, and I didn't know how many Cardonas there were. There's Rene Cardona, there's Junior, and then there was the third. And the third just died like two years ago. The director of, of Don't Panic, a film many, many people don't like, but I like it. I enjoy it a great deal. An orgy of terror. It's the light of a bloody apes. Creatures born of madness. Half man, half beast, all horror. It's the monster! The night of a bloody apes. One man shares their terrible secret. One man challenges nature. On the night of the bloody apes, sharing their bloodlust in the name of science, daring divine will with his bizarre creations. But a horrible half-beast, half-human. They strike again, and again, and again. The lust of a man in the body of a beast. What can stop them? What can appease them? Half man, half beast, all horror. <laughs> Nobody sleeps. Beware. The night of the bloody apes. Plus, the bone-chilling feast of flesh. They live to kill and kill to live. Yeah. So, watching Night of the Bloody Apes, it's a Mexican horror film, so... You're going to end up with some luchador action. Not, and strangely enough, not enough luchador action for me personally. It's just kind of in the periphery. And Rene Cardona directed a few of Santo movies, but he didn't direct any of the good Santo movies. He directed some of the turd Santo movies, uh, due to like my opinion anyway. You may know him from directing, uh, God, I think his last film was Survive, which they remade as Alive, you know, in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. And then Junior ended up making what? Tentorara? The the killer shark film with Susan George. Uh, they have made so many different... He made Guy on like Cult of the Damned uh, with Stuart Whitman as uh, Jim Jones. So they've always been an exploitation family and this film is no different. Just to give a hint of the depth of Rene Cardona's work, Night of the Bloody Apes, the original film came out in 1968, and we'll get there in a minute of what I mean by original film, but by the point in time when he had finished shooting this, he'd already made 40 films that decade alone. And when you go to something like Wikipedia and you look up his body of work, it just gives you a hint of it. It says something like, 
selected filmography, he made a, a, a massive, massive body of work. It's something that I, it's like uh, Takashi Miike also, just hundreds and hundreds of films, as well as acting. He acted in his son's films, his son acted in his films. It A great deal of nepotism, but sometimes nepotism works when everyone's incredibly talented, and every single member of this family was talented. Now, Night of the Bloody Apes, the most famous version of what we're going to be discussing, is the third version of this film. That there was a version, the very first one that was made by Cardona, had no nudity, it had no violence whatsoever, it was just sort of a heartfelt mad scientist story, and that was it. Another version was made to export from Mexico that added in the nudity, I believe that was called, um, Sexo Beast, something like that? Sex and the Beast? Uh, great title, regardless, even if I've gotten it wrong. That was just the simple export, and that was something that was pretty new at the time period in Mexican films, that they knew they couldn't really show a great deal of nudity, so a regular straight version of the movie would be made, and then for export, they would allow all sorts of other stuff to be filmed, mostly scenes of nudity, that was what was more popular, and then later on down the line, a very mysterious person named... Gerald and Trader purchased the film to release in the United States, and that's where you get all of the things that make this movie a video nasty. Very cheesy violence. Wasn't, um, wasn't this also kind of a remake of... It had Doom in the title. Doctor Doom or something. Yeah, and it, well, all yeah. it, it's weird because in a lineage of Mexican luchador and eight movies, there's like three or four that all kind of feature the same plot in different variations, and the real only thing that makes this film stand out from all of those is that the Doctor is kind of a genuinely sympathetic character in this one. It's somebody that's trying to save their son that's dying of leukemia, and they give him a gorilla's heart for reasons... because science. <laughs> but What's funny is the son's name is Julio, but with the uh, English dub, the Doctor just keeps calling him Julio, the whole which I movie. found quite hilarious the yeah. entire time. Just like, Julio! Yeah, Jose Elias Marino, who would go on later to win the equivalent of a Mexican Academy Award. Several actors, I think two of them. Armando Silvestri, also I believe in this film, went on to win the Mexican Academy Award. Very strange, humble beginnings, and I can admittedly say I've not seen the original film or the more nudie-cutie-esque second film, but I have seen Night of the Bloody Apes, and it is... Not the best movie on the planet, but I really enjoy it for reasons I'll explain in a little while. What's crazy about Mexican cinema, and like, yes, with horror Mexican cinema, but specifically just Mexican cinema, how much there is that is like untapped in the international market. Like, we've only gotten a very small percentage of the uh, the Mexican horror films that were available throughout the 50s, the 60s, but they just made so many of them. They're just not more prevalent in any kind of like American culture or even European culture, any of the, like, the film cultures, just select few is like Night of the Bloody Apes. And it's a shame that this one gets recognized because I think it's a bit of a turd. I'll call it what it is. Oh, it's got some turdly aspects. I'll give you that. It's boring. It's just so boring. Yeah, it it really works more on this. I mean, we brought up the luchadors, and there's some insanity. This guy gets a heart transplant, and he becomes transformed into an ape man and starts going on rampages. But it plays off sort of a friendly, kitschy, almost child-friendly, the, the, despite all the gore and the violence and stark scenes of nudity, of the Universal Monster movies. It's like a mixture of 
Frankenstein meets the the Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, where you've got this very depressed Wolfman that just kind of wants to fucking die and get things over with, and the scientist that's trying to fix everything and figure out a way for them to die. It's it's a depressing plot. This guy just wants his son to survive. The son has no idea what's going on. He's become this terrible monster. It's very well, different. The science is dubious in the film because oh, yes. the doctor's plan with his son having leukemia is. He, he just pumping human blood into him isn't good enough. I think if I pump ape blood into him, that the the strong ape genes will cure his leukemia. So he transplants a gorilla heart into his son. And first of all, worst gorilla suit I've ever seen in a movie. It is not Bob Berm's gorilla suit. I can tell you that much. It's a terrible gorilla suit. Um, but the um the surgery footage where he puts the heart in that is real heart surgery footage. And also a big reason why this movie got banned because it has actual like violence. And you can't even really call it violence, but actual quote unquote gore of just gory uh, surgery footage, which has been used over the years in a lot of different exploitation films. Um, I'm pretty sure Al Adamson made a film called uh, cardiac arrest or at least one title that is that film goes under that has also just here's some real heart surgery footage. Huh? That's gore. And it's just, it's kind of hard to sit through. I like watching it recently. It's like, okay, I know this is real and that makes it a hell of a lot more difficult to sit through. And that was all Gerald and Schrader, the man that purchased the film for distribution out of New York city. And this guy's life is sort of mysterious. There's not a lot of information on him some point in New York City in the 1950s, he started working in the film industry, produced a great deal of porns, produced a great deal of nudie cuties, uh, very, he was, he acquired films rather, you know, he did do some productions, I'm not completely wrong, but he did more acquisitions than he did producing, and with great deal of Mexican porns, great deal of Mexican nudie cutie films, and this is one that kind of slipped through, and I, I will say it is cleverly edited, despite being a slog of a movie, because it's really hard to spot and find what isn't supposed to be there. And none of the scenes of violence, not any of them, are in this original film. And some of them is, is more of my defense of what makes this movie fun. There's no need of a fucking story. Just all of a sudden, a guy's getting surgery, open-heart surgery footage is interjected, you're already shocked, it's very disgusting, and then he becomes a man-monkey. Or is it Monkey Man? It doesn't matter. Either way, he goes, he runs amok, you have all the classic monkey running amok problems, and then they've interspliced this just fucking awful gore. I mean, it is just over-the-top cheese, but it's that it level. Look like, oh, sorry to interrupt you, but like the eye pop scene specifically, oh. it looks like cake yes. is coming out of the like the the, uh, the hole in the uh, the fake head. It's just it's very odd looking gore. None of it is specifically offensive. The only thing that's really shocking and offensive is the open-heart surgery footage, because you're just not expecting it. You've been watching a fairly schlocky movie at that point, and this, I mean, it's thrown at you. Whatever. It's open-heart surgery. We've all seen Faces of Death. I think if you're listening to Death by DVD, you know, it's something we're used to this sort of stuff. I love specifically sometimes just... <sighs> I like bad movies, and it's okay to admit that. The problem is when you try to build up a defense of, well, this movie's so good because of this, and it's got this really great history and the making of the movie and all this stuff. Okay, I don't care. When I sit down, and as I did 
this week to watch this movie. I enjoyed doing so and giving Nash's credit because it's definitely due. It is a boring movie. The first, I don't know, 25 to 30 minutes, there's a lot of luchador fighting. It's female luchadors, though, so that's cool. There's new, Which seems irrelevant to the plot to me. Yes. Like, completely irrelevant. It might have just been one of those things of, we got to have it, I don't know. I mean, uh, Rene Cardona, as you said, did several. I think he did some of the very first um, Santos films also. I know some of them are done in the late 50s and not released until the early 60s. I'm not sure how many he did, but again, the guy made... 40 to 50 to 60 movies per decade. He he was a, a workhorse. But just genuinely goofball, um, really harmless, kind of fun humor. It's not really, it's more of an H.G. Lewis feeling than it is something like Roger Corman. And I can just get behind it. I love how terrible the, the dub is. I love all the names being completely butchered. This is a perfect movie for a movie marathon if it's like the third or fourth movie, if you're doing a, a monkey night, if you will. <laughs> It's just, I call it just harmless fun horror. There's there's really no problems with this movie unless you asked Peter Kruger and Mary Whitehouse when they fucking banned it. But well, I got some problems. <laughs> I got some problems with this movie. I mean, it's there's problems because it's a slog, but at, like at the same time, it's just a fucking harmless dumb movie. You would expect to find it on one of those sets you get at a gas station with 500 films in it that are all public domain. It's like the horror of Spider Island. You know, it's just it's such a nothing movie. Movie. It's, it doesn't. It, this movie didn't bother anybody. God damn it! It didn't harm anybody. <laughs> well, like the the makeup on uh, on Ape Boy, it looks Julio, like more. You mean? Well, it looks more <laughs> like um, Benny the Jet Aquatus than it does like a gorilla. <laughs> what a reference! Wow. <laughs> That's what I've always thought. Every time I've seen like it does have a great trailer though. I've always loved the trailer for this film. And some of the um the uh promotional artwork that got released, like the um VHS of this like weird cartoon drawing of a guy having his eyes plucked out by gorilla hands is like that's some kitschy ass fun. But so much stuff is a love story, a cop story. This the mad scientist being upset that his, he can't save his son. Um, and it just it goes from those scenes to ape attack to what do you what do you think's going on? I'm not real sure to ape attack. And it just it tends to like repeat itself over and over and over again. And just we're not getting any new information. Yeah, it just it's I mean, at this point, I kind of wish it had more luchador stuff in it because you can have like there's a lot of fun with uh, lucha libre and uh, Mexican cinema from that time period. Like um, the Mummies of uh, Guanajuato is like a great Santo film, and it doesn't have much wrestling in it, but it stars all these wrestlers. And this film could really benefited from it. I mean, I know why it's there. It was very much part of the culture at the time that almost so many of the Mexican films had luchador and lucha libres in it because it's just so big culturally in Mexico at that point, but it feels wasted in this one. And the rest of the mad scientist plot, I mean, you equate it to say like universal monsters and I get, I totally understand that reference, but at least like the universal stuff, at least the early stuff, um, was filmed a little bit more expertly is like a little bit more beautiful to look at with the, the high contrast black and white. And I can kind of get off on those aspects. And this is very flatly shot. Um, just set up a couple of 10 K brights 
and just kind of have people do dialogue and master shots, a couple of close-ups here and there. And it just it just tends to drag at points because there's just not much story to be told. And we're just kind of trying to, I mean, it is an exploitation movie, but past that point of this is what we're exploiting, that's all you got. You got this idea, and now we're going to make you sit through another 90 minutes of this stuff just to like meet runtime quotas, basically. Yeah, I'd really like to see the the very first version of this movie from, I believe, 1968 that it didn't have any of the nudity or the violence because the plot's been changed and cut and things added with a lot of these sequences of violence and the, the United States distribution that happened. And this movie ran through the late 60s into the early 70s, probably up and even to the mid to late 70s in drive-in circuits. And I'm sure there was a mixture that the audiences saw of the nudie cutie version and then this violent version that we're talking about and you know there's everything you're saying there's absolute credence like it's it's completely agreeable i i think what i'm really attracted to is when it comes to villains in movies especially these cheaper sort of exploitation films because this movie didn't start as an exploitation film the final product happened to be one so what Rene Cardona was making, I, I feel, in my opinion, is this more sympathetic villain sort of situation. And of course, nothing like that's new by this point in time at all. But when you're running with things like H.G. Lewis, Roger Corman, David F. Friedman movies and things like that, it's always uh, terrible, awful, evil, evil people. And I love the fact that he's trying to help his son and that we have this pull for it. And then once he realizes that these atrocious murders and all these rampages are because of his monkey madness and his son or because of the monkey madness being caused by his son, he's trying to help. He's trying to have a duality of good and evil. So despite it being pretty boring in places, really flat, over the top. It's kind of, and, and really flat, I mean, it's, it's, it is shot sort of like a TV show. It, it feels like you're watching a very, very long Telemundo show without any of that drama. They do attempt for it, like you were bringing up with some of the narrative love plots, and then they've got this police story going on, and then you go back to the doctor that's trying to solve everything. Way too many cooks in the kitchen. You can at least have some enjoyment with, well, the villain is completely different, and somebody's eyes get gouged out. There's stabbings. There's, there's cake. There's, there's cake eyes. Cake. I, I mean, as a as a a gore hound and exploitation fan, it's kind of got everything you'd want in a movie. But at the same time, you finish it, and it's like, well, I saw Night of the Bloody Apes. Got that one down. Another Ray Car- Rene Cardona's movie off the list. You know, <laughs> it's just it's so much like the most boring Santo movie. With a couple little splashes of some like blood feast. I'm not even like blood feast has like some fun factor to it. I'm gonna go for um blood freak, the uh, the killer turkey movie. Um, that like it's that level of just like oh god, <laughs> okay, so we're just gonna splash a lot of blood around and there's your gore scene. So it's just kind of it's not very well done, but I mean, knowing that a lot of this done is stuff is done in reshoots i mean that kind of adds validity to the fact of why it's not very well done but that's my big issue with the movie overall it's it's kind of before its time and past its time all at the same time it really doesn't know what it it wants to be and i think that's it's shares something similar to the film we'll be talking about next uh, of that thing of like it 
it came at a time where genres were changing and it didn't really know which genre to hug on to. Um, so we're just kind of meeting in the middle and not pleasing any of the, those eras fans. We're just kind of like half-assing it on both sides. It also seems like one of those situations that if it hadn't been purchased twice for distribution, it, it might have just been lost. There isn't anything that's really specifically good about what I can imagine the original movie to be. I mean, I just pointed out all these things about the mad scientist and how it's very unique, but if it hadn't been for the video nasties, and this is very many movies on this list, probably wouldn't have been accelerated. It would be in obscurity at this point. It wouldn't even exist because it's just there's nothing too special about it other than that fucking trailer, man. Uh, and especially with the amount of work that Rene Cardona's and Rene Cardona's the second and third put out throughout their careers. There's just so much stuff. There's really good stuff. There's really mid-tier stuff. There's just, I wouldn't say bad, but there's some slog that you can really sit through. This would have just been completely lost. And even as a video nasty, I don't think it's one of the most... Uh, it's funny, the next movie is a very deeply beloved video nasty, and I, I also am a fan of it too, but... This movie is, you don't hear, this isn't the top of collector's polls, I guess. I do, like, I don't know how in, say, like, 1983 or whatever, how anyone in the UK is, like, in the, the BBFC, like, taking this shit seriously. I understand you got, you know, okay, violence. We've got to look out for violence, and it has bloody in the title and blah, 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 blah. But, like, the gore is laughable, the one thing that's holding it back is that heart surgery footage. That's the one reason. And well, I mean, we're just going to skip to that point in the, in the show where we talk about that, why it was banned. It's obviously just that surgery footage that got it banned. I think too, there's some violence toward women that, um, again, all of that was reshoots. None of that was in the original film. There's a stabbing sequence where you, you get to see penetration with a knife. That's a big no, no for them. Anything penetrative, Anything penetrative? Oh, I'm just not going to say the word right. Penetrative. It's, it's fine. It's fine. There's, there's always one fucking word I can't end up goddamn saying right on a recording of this fucking show. But things like that really offended Mary Whitehouse. And I've brought it up before, but I've watched a lot of interviews with Peter Kruger, who is the lead cop involved. And in, well, I mean, they don't call. He was an inspector at Scotland Yard, and he's a really sympathetic guy. Listening and 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 hearing him, which. I will say it's kind of impressive. Not only has he seen every video nasty, he's seen them multiple times, and he got to see, like, you know, the original fucking VHSs of them. <laughs> this guy is, is done more than any, v any video nasty collector could ever dream to do. And you hear him talk about them, and sometimes he has a little twinkle in his eye when he'll remember the film and remember how goofy it is. And I think this man can't say what he wants to say, but he knows how arbitrary and silly and stupid and pointless banning these movies were that the, the fucking amount of time and money Margaret Thatcher wasted doing this is, is unbelievable and it's offensive. Yes. Politicians would never waste a bunch of time trying to ban stupid, like things that don't matter to benefit some sort of fake ass culture war. 
That never happens. Not to worry any better. I don't want to sound like I'm fucking shitting on the... I mean, <laughs> I think anybody that listens to this show should know. Yeah, that fuck fucking, the monarchy. No one cares. Fuck the monarchy. I don't you like my country up. either. You know, fucking, it's okay. Don't go away. This is a video nasty show. People in England are going to listen to it. Now they're going to be like, good golly. That's my English accent. Good golly. Um, <laughs> good golly. Yes, I'm sure most of the people are very much like, I love King... Uh, Fucking Charles. He Chuck's died. my guy. I can't believe they made fun of him on Death by DVD. Such a proud moment for my country. Um, but, like, one thing we haven't really talked about is, especially in the time period, you're dealing with, a, like, a lot of these videotapes having not the best quality and generations of dubs. So a lot of the video noise that was probably on uh, the copies they watched probably helped make these films feel like kind of dirtier and worse than they were almost like snuff films because like once you get it in startling 4k blu-ray a copy of night of bloody apes you go christ almighty how goofy is this shit actually i'll I'll give up some defense for the blu-ray cleaning it up the soundtrack is also cleaned up and it is a much funkier jazzy soundtrack than i ever knew it to be when i'd seen this previously it might have been inserted what I said that inserted very strangely, um, but the movie also had new credits and all sorts of stuff. All sorts of, I'm just saying every word wrong tonight. There were a lot of digital edits on the copy that I watched, which I I held up for the Patreon version. But it is, I got the VCI Blu-ray, and I will say it's a great Blu-ray. It came with a really informative booklet about Rene Cardona that I might have recited a little bit off of while I was doing my whole thing. But regardless, Funky Score, much jazzier than we usually talk about. We're really into Italian disco soundtracks on Death by DVD, but it had kind of a, a Thelonious Monk Latin funk to it at the same time, like uh, that Willie, Willie Bobo fried neck bones and some home fries. Good shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I didn't feel that burp coming on. <laughs> it went from... Willy neck bones into a loud, boisterous belch. Quality shit we got going on in the show. Did you know that you can now watch episodes of Death by DVD? That's right. Exclusively on Patreon you can now watch Death in action. Visit patreon.com slash death by DVD to learn more. Yeah, so I find that like this film kind of this film specifically shows what a joke the BBFC was at the time of like the shit that they were banning. Okay. Some of it. Sure. Some of the Nazi exploitation stuff. I understand zombie flesh eaters is a little, you know, a little bit crazy with the gore, but fucking nine of the bloody apes. Like, Oh my God, kids might take this into account and take it seriously. 
think about the rash of violence and riots that Night of the Bloody Apes is going to cause. The children are going to pretend they're monkeys! Why is that my English accent? I can do accents. I don't know why I can't on the show, though. I can only do it when no one's looking it's at me. It's always in the name of the children. we got to protect the children Fuck from the children. bloody apes. Fuck the goddamn children. I th it is, um, just on a remark of what you said, kind of hysterical, though. And I, I bring this up every video nasty. And as Americans, we can acknowledge how little our country thinks of us. We don't even have health care. So I'm not trying to make fun of the English people by saying this, but their government does not give a flying fuck about the thoughts of anyone that's not, I would say, up, upper white middle class people. They think so fucking poorly of you, they banned this movie. Until what, 2015? You're about to get to that point. I'm sorry. Hold on. Over, over, head over my heels here. So, the part of the show where we read from the book The Art of the Nasty by Nigel Wingrove and Mark Morris. Night of the Bloody Apes granted an X certificate in March 1974 with cuts. Who would have thought that a film featuring Mexican wrestling and a storyline dealing with a heart transplanted from a gorilla to a man could have been deemed Nasty. nasty the gory operation footage probably got this one banned uh, as we've pointed out hey. but you can see far worse on television now available in the uk uncut on dvd slash blu-ray and all of the forms is any anything cut was was it in its entirety at this point, it's in its entirety. Oh, nice. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's a victory because some of these still to this day you can't find or find. And it's, I mean, where it's the internet. You There's can find them. That, like, especially animal cruelty stuff, they still, like, frown on that shit. But, like, this is, like, again, it's so goofy. Who could give a shit? And even heart surgery footage is on YouTube, for Christ's sakes. That's what I was kind of pointing out and saying at the beginning of the show. This movie didn't do anything to anybody. It's It's a very harmless goofball movie i i don't find it to be a waste of time but i will say that with a, a caveat that this is uh, you you gotta be into this sort of thing if you're if you want to see all the video nasties for one obviously you're gonna want to see something like this but i don't think the average exploitation fan would like this but then again if you enjoy hg lewis movies I, i'll go with him over corman i do think you would enjoy something like this especially night of the bloody apes the third version of the movie. I won't even try and say the other titles again because I can't speak Spanish in the least bit and I hardly have a grip on the English language, but it's a, it's a cop-out, terrible way to review a movie. It's fun. It, it, you can have a little fun <laughs> with this movie. This is a movie that you can gather some, some friends over and smoke a joint and have fun with and no one has to pay attention to it. You can point out, look, there's, there's somebody's eye getting popped out of their head and that's it. That's good. It's like the... Um probably the 5 a.m. movie for a you know very long marathon it's one that you like put on so people can catch you know 20 minutes of sleep here and there i did do the the the, the jesus the research um to find what the current going rate for a copy of this is the version you're looking for is uh under the label ifs and it's the vhs pal version and the ones i saw were pretty much selling for around um 70 pounds 65 pounds somewhere in there so i mean it's it's one of the the more mid-range priced video nasties at this point yeah it's not bad and i already discussed the 
Blu-ray copy I had, VCI. I believe you can get it on Amazon. And, um, yeah, I think that's the end of Night of the Bloody Apes. <laughs> There's not really much to say about Night of the Bloody Apes because, I mean, the plot is so paper thin. Not much happens in the film. So you can't really get into and you can't really talk about like too much of the history unless you want to get into the Cardonas as a family. I mean, we could do a whole show on the Cardona family and all the what they meant to um, Mexican filmmaking um, throughout the the fucking forties all the way up through the two thousands of how prevalent they've been in the Mexican film industry. But as far as like this film is part of their catalog and that canon, it's just like, it's, it's not that vital other than the fact that it's on the video nasties list. I don't want to toot my own horn here, but we kind of did the history. I mean, one version came out in Mexico. One version's a little sexy and one version's very sleazy. That's it. That's the history. Three different guys. So. <laughs> That's three it. different guys. That explains the family. Well, no, I mean, I meant three different people bought the movie. Uh, well, yeah, but three different guys. There's three different, yeah, we wanted on that. That was funny. If you want to know about Ray and Rene Cardona Jr., when um, he was making Guy on a Cult of the Dam, it was just like as the Jim Jones cult shit was going on, he literally was flying over the site, and they hadn't cleaned up the bodies yet, and he was shooting footage for his film. <laughs> to stick in as like as opposed to using stock footage he shot his own stock footage for the movie just like okay well that's dark does morality have a place in art next week's episode of death by dvd So now we move in further into Monkey Madness. This one, I guess, could open up a debate and debacle with our listeners out there at large. Is Bigfoot an ape? This movie, Night of the Demon, is a weird entry into cryptid cinema. And I know that sounds funny and like I made it up, but cryptid cinema is a, is a legit genre of film. Night of the Demon, 1980. It's directed by James C. Wasson and produced by the great Jim L. Ball. Buddy Ball, as he was called by his friends. The guy worked for Roger Corman. Very similar to a gentleman I was talking about earlier. In the 50s, he started producing films. He got into porn, nudie cuties, just like everyone else did. Started doing very, very cheap horror movies in the 1970s, which eventually all of this in his career led him to doing Night of the Demon, where he got James Wasson, who'd worked with him in the early 1970s, maybe late 1960s, the cinematographer just the same. They had all worked together on an early project and formed this bastard of a movie. Many of the same things we just discussed will be discussed with this movie because there's an original version of this movie that came out in... 1978, 1979 or so, that didn't have any of the shocking scenes of violence which would make it infamous as a video nasty, raising the question, would this movie have ever been heard of, known, or seen by anyone if it hadn't been a video nasty? And I can't, I don't think anyone, but director James C. Wasson and, and anyone left from the production can really speak upon the first movie because it wasn't seen. It was seen at an early screening. Twice, I think, wasn't it? It was like shown at one screen and then another screen and then the producer just kind of like, fuck this, I gotta make this thing work because nobody likes it. 
the apparent problem, from what I understand, is people took it more as a comedy than they took it about anything with Bigfoot. So Buddy Ball said, you know what? I got an idea. Six months later, we have Night of the Demon as we know it to be that has some of the most infamous scenes, I think, in video nasty lineage. And I would even dare say horror history. You got Bigfoot ripping a guy's dick off. Everyone's familiar with that scene. It's a glorious sequence. Severin even released a statue of Bigfoot holding the guy's cock. I think you can get a really cool sticker, a very detailed, big foreskinned sticker of Bigfoot it holding that cock. It the best death, because to me the best death is Bigfoot stabbing the Girl Scouts, the adult Girl Scouts, with the, each other's knives. He just grabs their wrists and makes them stab each other. It's kind of fucking funny. I really, really like when Bigfoot burns the guy's face off. There's a scene where he stabs a chick with a... Beats a guy with uh, somebody's intestines. Oh, that's a good one. I really like when he uses the pitchfork thing and stabs this woman, and she just extendedly dies. She goes on for about four minutes just writhing and dying, but it's great. It's all fantastic. Now, I, I brought up something like the term cryptid cinema. I'm no expert, but former Death by DVD guest, yes, that's his claim to fame, Stephen R. Bissett, he is the man you would want. He's written like three fucking books called Cryptid Cinema. You can learn everything you want to know about Bigfoot. But he brings up a really great question when it comes to Bigfoot movies or cryptid movies in general with two kind of genres, that you have movies where the cryptids are created for the movie. And they don't exist anywhere else, like Creature from the Black Lagoon. Or you have something like Night of the Demons, Shrieky the Mutilated, uh, Legend of Boggy Creek, where we're dealing with something that may or may not exist in our world. But aside from Shriek of the Mutilated, Night of the Demon is the most aggressive, in-your-face. Bigfoot isn't some grainy footage that shows up on the side of the movie. He's an active slasher-style villain that appears throughout this film to cause absolute monkey fucking mayhem and that's like you kind of brought up an interesting point but the slasher genre because the movie really started as just like a bigfoot film but in the 70s like it was shot in 78 79 the bottom had kind of dropped out on cryptid films with like shriek of mutilated and boggy creek um there's, there's a few bigfoot porn films and a couple other things but like People weren't really going to see those anymore, and slasher films were starting to get big. So it seems like um, the producer just kind of said, kind of met in the middle on that one, wanted to throw in some violence because it's exploitive. Um, it was becoming more and more prevalent in cinema. So it kind of rides the line between a cryptid film and a slasher film, which is kind of what makes it interesting. And if it didn't have these extra scenes, I don't think I could sit through it whatsoever, except for... The, uh, I do really like the soundtrack. Uh, the pan oh, yeah. flute shows up heavily. Yeah, I cannot recall the gentleman's name, the professionalism on Death by DVD, but this this Star movie's... Trek The Next Generation. It's That's that all guy. I remember. Yeah, it's that same guy. He did the music for Star Trek The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise. He did a couple of, um, I think The Scorpion King, did scores for a great deal of movies. This was his first gig, which is cool. Star Trek guy, we're out there. We're rooting for you. I, I am impressed with how far you have moved up in the world, but goddamn if it isn't a fresh score. Best thing about this 
Blu-ray that Severn put out is it's that really cool synth intro to the score that just plays over and over and over again on the start screen. So you can just fucking let that rock for hours in the background while you're doing something else. But the film itself is a whole bunch of goddamn nonsense because you do have the Bigfoot plot. You have the the typical um, college students looking for Bigfoot thing, which was kind of very prevalent in these cryptid films. But you also have the weird cult angle of like, the town that is like some sort of Satan worshiping cult that possibly worships Bigfoot. Like that's that's a very Lovecraftian thing for me. And I But I, it doesn't figure into anything else. No, it's not just at kind all. Of there. Yeah. It's gone. It's it's it seems really intriguing in the movie and it's weird even um just trying to discuss it as a film. It has no place into it, but it's one of those things you want to tell people to get them into the movie, there's a satanic Bigfoot cult. It goes nowhere, but it really reminds me, and uh, I thought it when I was watching the film recently for this episode, I was watching this great documentary with Stephen R. Bissett where he talks about it, and it, it has all of these applications, very similar to what I was saying with None of the Bloody Apes, to things like classic 1950s, mostly universal movies, but going even a little bit farther with that Lovecraft reference that in Call of Cthulhu you've got all those backwoods people that were worshipping him in places like Louisiana and all New Orleans and things like that. You've got this this great feeling with everything, and when you read about this movie on paper, it sounds great. Bigfoot called Bigfoot's, and just as we were talking, Bigfoot's a killer Bigfoot in a baby. slasher movie, Bigfoot baby, all of these should be like, well, what the fuck? This has got to be amazing. This is this is the only Bigfoot slasher movie with Bigfoot satanic worshipping cultists. But then you actually watch the movie, and it's told through this really scattered format of flashbacks. Flashbacks. <laughs> Endless flashbacks. But random people are having them that we start the movie with this kind of narrative assets of this guy who's been burned, and he's explaining to the police. But then suddenly everyone's having fucking flashbacks, and <laughs> we just go the all over. telling the story of the film in a flashback, but then... Within that flashback, he t talks about other people's flashbacks, and he even flashbacks to shit he wasn't even there to see. Just things he heard about, and very similar to Shriek of the Mutilated, this guy, that, that film itself centers around a cryptozoologist professor who takes his students out into the woods. Same thing, cryptozoologist professor, and I don't remember exactly the year that Boggy Creek came out, but at this point, bringing up something that you'd said just a few minutes ago, Cryptid movies had run dry the drive-ins. Boggy Creek played for like fucking nine years. And it it was well seen. And when you move into something like this, you're you're really exasperating the audience by expecting them to follow so much into these flashbacks. Because I'd say about 45 minutes into the movie, I can't tell who's telling the story anymore. And then suddenly, we jump back to our lead characters, and you don't even remember that this guy's been in the hospital the whole time. It's just suddenly, oh, these pricks again. What the fuck have they been doing the whole time? Oh, now they're at this house, and we have a weird Night of the Living Dead scenario where we encounter a mute woman. We're all locked inside of a cabin. The mute woman might know something more. Oh, fuck it. We can say spoilers. She's been raped by Bigfoot, had a Bigfoot baby. Her daddy, who is the <laughs> cultist leader of Bigfoot cult, kills the baby and then proceeds to have the Bigfoot cult. None of these questions. It doesn't make sense. I don't get it. There... One uh, YouTube commentator referred to the baby as a meatloaf chimp. Aww. And I think that is the most apt description of what that special effect looks like. Have you ever like. seen um, the peanut butter syndrome? Have you ever seen that film? Oh, yeah. Solution? Peanut butter solution. Peanut butter solution. Yes. Sorry, syndrome. 
<laughs> That's a very serious thing that affects three out of two children all over the world. Peanut butter syndrome. Three out of two. <laughs> Uh, it reminded me of that. It's 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 like a fucking uh, uh, Betty wet herself doll. It's just been pe- covered in peanut butter, maybe a little bit of jam. It's a terrible. And what's bizarre is some of the effects in this movie, I'm not going to dare say are good by any means, but some of them are okay. Some are fun to watch. And then they just got this baby covered in peanut butter. I mean, it's not a real baby, but. Yeah, it's all just, it's all very, very, I don't know how much it's even it seems like it's played for laughs because you don't have a Bigfoot ripping a guy's dick off and like expect your film to be taken seriously. You don't have Bigfoot stabbing cheerleaders with each other's like knives. You don't have Bigfoot beating someone with intestines. I, it seems like um, ball knew what he was doing of just like, listen, ain't none of this shit working. Let's just have fun with it. Let's add a bunch of insane gore and just, really have some kind of things for people to talk about like a selling point for the film like we got to get people to see this movie and this hey i just saw a movie where a guy who's let's just be honest half a bigfoot because half his body isn't even covered in hair it's more like manfoot he's he's not that big he looks like he wears like a size 10 and a half but he kind of looks like a slightly more hairy andre the giant and not that much he's even got the uh giant either early andre 70s afro very average heighted Andre the Giant, though. <laughs> yes, he's, he's really not even that big of a Bigfoot. It's, oh, Jesus, what were we talking about before I, <laughs> I, I don't know. Off, I, I before no I idea. start going off on Bigfoot not looking like Bigfoot, because he doesn't. Not at all, no. He's kind of a simian man thing, but it's just nobody could have been taking any of this shit seriously. There's no way they could have been taken this seriously. I, I kind of think that's that's where the Night of the Demon that we all know and some of us love. I actually, despite everything I've just said, enjoy watching this film immensely. I watched it twice with, with no one asking me to just for this episode because it gives me a little bit of a giggle. But I think just from, from doing a little bit of old-fashioned research, James C. Wasson really wanted to make a serious, I don't know if it was emotional, but a serious... Maybe spooky. I don't think it was necessarily scary or horror-oriented Bigfoot movie. He wanted to do something that had some heart and soul, and during those initial showings, those two screenings that the movie had in the United States, people laughed. People thought it was funny, and Jim L. Buddy Ball, had you know, he'd worked with Roger Corman. He knew how to cut a movie. He knew how to get stuff done very fast, very cheaply, and with, uh, I would say, an effective manner of at least finishing somewhat under a budget. I'm not quite sure what the budget was, but he knew we had to pull some punches. And it's an unfortunate story that James Wasson really didn't hear from Ball for a while. I think six months went by. Ball had shot some extra footage and invited him over to record some uh, audio sound effects for the movies that they had shot without sound and needed some of the deaths, the, the male deaths, to have some some audio to it. And Ball asked him, do you want to see the footage I shot? And and that's all that the director of this film has ever seen. He's never seen this movie that we're discussing, this violent gore picture, not once in his entire fucking life. The guy was like, all right, that's fine. Years later, like 1993, 1994, the guy, director of the film, James Wasson, is working in Hollywood, and he had a meeting or a dinner or something, and he's leaving it and was walking past a video store and just decided on a whim he's going to walk through, look around, 
Because back when those things existed, you did that to kill time, and it was fun. And he ends up seeing Night of the Demons on... Night of the Demon! It's not Night of the Demons. He sees Night of the Demon on the shelf, and he looks at it. He looks up, his name's on the back of the box, he's reading about it. Never, never once thought, I'm going to see this, I'm going to rent this, didn't check it out. Then years go by, in the mid-2000s, he's contacted by somebody in L.A. that wants to know if he has the film, that they want to show it at a screening, and he's reading reviews about the movie and is just shocked. Absolutely revolted and shocked of what they did to his film. And there's some testament. I mean, it does make me very interested. I'd love to see whatever the fuck movie he made before Buddy Ball got to it. But I, I can say as an exploitation... I think it was a pretty standard Bigfoot film, something along the lines of um, Creature from Bra- uh, Black Lake. Just like kind of a bland ass Bigfoot film. Which it's funny, Creature from Black Lake was literally the same company that did Bongi Creek and they were ripping off their own movie to keep it in. I mean, I think those two movies probably showed as double features over and over and over again. Same goddamn company just trying to keep that cryptid legacy alive. And then James Wasson comes so late into the game with this film as an exploitation fan, as just a. I, I like even terrible movies, and that's something I think we've established on this show, but something like 2000 Maniacs, it's a terrible fucking movie, man. It's not a good film, but I like it, and I enjoy watching it. This is the same sort of situation. I'll straight up tell you it's a dog shit movie, but I'll also tell you Rip Bigfoot rips off a guy's dick, and damn, man, if that ain't something. You know what the, the hallmark of a quality film is? When the director himself can say, oh, I've never seen it. Yeah, I've never seen that film. <laughs> I've never. You know, it's a good movie. That's a part of the story. Well, too. I mean, a lot of people didn't get to see this movie, and it, it it's uh it's almost incidentally a video nasty because I don't I really don't think this movie would have been banned by the BBFC if it had been released anywhere else. But the only goddamn place that got a release of this movie was in the UK on. VHS. So the only place worldwide that got <laughs> Night of the Demons is the place that's act demon. It's not Night of the Demons. It's the one place that's actively fucking banning horror films left and right. So this movie didn't even get out of the gate before it was like, nope, you're done. Nope, gonna get banned in the one place you were released in. Whoops. Um, it, I'd say that its two biggest points uh, for me are it's got a really like I mean. Let's not be like. Let's be honest. We have different tastes when it comes to film soundtracks. Oh, it's yeah. not like a rockin' soundtrack. It's just a very '70s vibe, kind of a synth it's score. Good, There's some Pam flute in there, but it also has a great um, title card with the blood and the filling the Bigfoot uh, yeah. footprint. That's like I like. That's like some creative ass filmmaking. I right really enjoyed bat, that. When you see something like that, you know you're going to at least see a quality exploitation film. It's the beginning of the movie. And I mean, the soundtrack, really, it's a little steely Danish. Like, it's it's good. It's not the level of funkitude that I really want to go for, but I would, I would buy this soundtrack on vinyl or something. It's more Donald Fagan than anything. Let's be real. You're right. You're right. Uh, but great. Yeah, all around. I mean, it's it's like it's one of those situations where it's a one star movie, but it's a five star movie at the same time. You could have a lot of fun with this. You could enjoy this alone. You could watch it with friends. This is sort of a, a rite of passage film too. Bigfoot rips the guy's dick off. Watch it. I, I mean, I'm in complete agreement with you on this one. I mean, it has some some down time in the film. It's got some like some down spots where it gets a little, you know, like it's dragging. But 
it is a crowd pleaser. It is a shitty ass movie, but it's a good bad movie. It's a fun bad movie. It's one you can riff with and like, you know, just kind of have fun with the uh, with the the crew when you get the crew together, Motley crew. Um, but other than that, yeah, it, it ain't great filmmaking. And if you're hanging out with Motley Crew, we just want to let you know, never ride with Vince Neil. Hey, you want to shoot heroin into our cocks and watch Night of the Demon? I do. I do every day. I watched this movie twice this week, last night and today, and I, I, I actually enjoyed myself, though. And that is a, a great testament to a horror film itself, that you can watch it back-to-back, you can watch it and still not get tired of it, but there's not a lot that you get tired of here. There's no fucking real story, there's no real plot, these people are in the woods, and there's also a Bigfoot that's medium height, ripping people's dicks off, and much more. There's something for everybody. You got dead babies, you got removed penises, you got rape, I guess. I'm No, not something for everybody. Never mind. Well, I guess uh, the the biggest like warning sign I can give you is, if you are watching Night of the Demon with, with your friends, just after it's over, don't get in the car with Vince Neil. Yeah. Never, Worst thing you can do. Never drive with Vince Neil. I wouldn't drive with Tommy Lee either, though. I don't think I would get in a car with any members of Motley Crew, to be honest. Mick Mars, but more than likely you'd be in an ambulance if yeah, you're riding no, with Mick f- Mars. Fuck, he, he has really bad arthritis. The only member of, uh, is uh, John Five. He doesn't drink. Former former Rob Zombie and Marilyn Manson guitar player that doesn't drink or do drugs. God bless you, John Five. You've been through a lot, I bet. A lot. Seen some stuff. He's the nice one. <laughs> All right. So let's read from the tome. The book. Night of the Demon. Not to be confused with Jacques Tourneau's 1957 classic, this was another obscure film which, if it hadn't featured the sleeve note, warning, this film contains scenes of extreme and explicit violence would probably have slipped through the nasty's net. See a Yeti spinning someone's entrails around and using them as a whip after having ripped some poor guy's penis off during urination. And it does not give any statistic, like no information on what... <laughs> Where it's at now in the UK, I, I I'm assuming it, since Severin put it out, it's probably been completely unbanned at this point. Um, but the interesting thing about this is I did look up, um, you know, the the VHS information for collectors. Um, it's another um, IFS uh, film on VHS PAL, and I saw them for similarly around sixty five dollars uh, or sixty five pounds, but on eBay, there was a copy, sealed copy, for $300. Ooh. Like, sealed? Original seal? I would investigate that further to see if somebody is possibly not bootlegging or, you know, like, making um, making some forgeries out there. But, I mean, if it's real, if you had, like, I'm sure it's probably worth some money. An original sealed video nasty. That's, I mean, that's probably very rare to come by. And this movie remained banned until 1994. Vipco resubmitted it to the BBFC, and it was passed with an 18 certificate, I believe, one minute and 41 seconds of the movie was It's removed. the dick. They, had, I'm sure, are still cutting the dick. 
Yeah, so at least one minute, 41 seconds. That could be a handful of, of gore scenes that have been trimmed down and removed, but that's an early victory, at least. So since 1994, the fine people of the UK have been able to enjoy this film as they rightfully should goddamn be able to. Yeah, uh, like, uh, again, tonight, I mean, with it being monkey madness, even though they're all apes. Yeah. All apes. Well, one of them's not even really an ape. I mean, we, with the Bigfoot, I don't know. I'm going to lean toward Bigfoot being possibly more humanoid and or some sort of guardian between realms and vortexes. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Just I wanted to say monkey madness. Maybe one day we'll do an actual monkey madness episode to make up for it. My lies, we'll my fucking lies. Shines. Yeah, that's and fine. He shines. We are do some Ramiro. But, I mean, with, with this section tonight, it's just like two of the most ridiculous-ass movies on the Video Nasties list. On the prosecutor list, no less. This isn't, like, thrown off to, like, they couldn't get, like, a conviction on. This, these are ones that actually were like, we got to ban these. These two yeah. goofy-ass gorilla suit movies. Who gives a shit? You guys are fucking clown shoes in the UK in the early 80s. It was dumb as shit. They don't even have Bigfoot in England. They might have them in Scotland, but they don't have Bigfoot in England. I don't know. They got Banshees in Ireland, though, dude. The ones of Inna Sharon. That's a good movie. I heard a donkey ate a finger and that died. That, 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 I don't want to talk about the donkey. That upset me a lot. That's That was the most upsetting part of the movie. Well, we just got notified that the Horror Taxi has canceled us and the Horror Uber is here instead. But this brings us to an end. It's a terrible joke. I'm, 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 I'm like holding in on people knowing the song by The Damned. And I'm sure half the audience is like, why does he keep making Horror Taxi jokes? Uh, but <laughs> this is... It, it's, isn't it in the opening, though? Catch, catch, a horror taxi. Woo, woo, fall in love with the video nasty. Yeah, I mean. Hey, after, like, fucking two years of this, they should have at least picked up on that aspect. <laughs> well, we've we've reached the end of another fantastic nasty segment. We're running low. We're, we're getting to the end of this list of 39 movies. Yeah, only, like, two or three episodes left. Uh, 39 movies. It took us three years to do this. Says a lot about us. <laughs> Well, I think there's a, a good chunk in there where we took a basically like eleven month break. Yeah, there is so. a, a one year gap between the last time we did a nasty to now. And of course this is nasty month, so they're getting four nasties in a row. But you have been listening to the video nasties A through Z with Death by DVD, Night of the Bloody Apes, and Night of the Demon. <laughs> <laughs> you gassy fuck. I told you about them goddamn eggs. recorded in front of a dead studio audience. Portions of today's programming have been mechanically reproduced.
KPDF broadcast from on top of Blue Crystal Sunshine Mountain in any town USA with transmitters on top of the Empire State Building. Please be kind and rewind.